tonight on Huckabee, an exclusive interview with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Performances by Aaron Lewis and Chris Wineland. And Ami Horowitz declares his run for president. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Thank you very much. We are so happy to have you with us. Great studio audience here in our theater in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, Music City. All right, I don't know if you know this or not, but the presidential debates for the Democrats start this week over a course of two nights. And there are 20 candidates deemed significant enough to qualify. Now, since I have personally been through two cycles of debates as a participant in both 2008 and 2016, I want to give you a little perspective and some things to watch for. Let's get right to it. These are not debates. I was a debater in high school and in college, and there is nothing that resembles a debate in these forums, whether it's Democrat or Republican. They're TV shows, pure and simple. Folks, it's showbiz. It is not designed to inform the voters in the respective parties about the candidates, their qualifications, or their positions on issues that matter to you, the voter. Now, these are reality TV shows crafted to get ratings and therefore get revenue. They're cash cows for the networks who get to do them. First of all, this process ought to be about the voters in the party so they can pick their nominee, not the network determining who will say the most volatile things to create some sound bites for the news broadcast and for YouTube. Now, the parties, this year meaning the Democrats, since they're the only ones with the contested primary, I say they should wrest control back from the TV people, and they ought to own this process. Now, some may think that I'm insincere in providing helpful advice to the Democrats, but frankly, it's because I want to help the system, and I want to help the people who have the guts to get on the ballot, and not the prima donnas at the moderator table who forget it's not about them. It's supposed to be about the candidates, and this year, the Democratic voters. Now, to Democrat Chair Tom Perez, I humbly say, don't cede control over to the TV networks, because their interests are not your interests. The parties ought to select the venues, the procedures, the qualifications, the time frames, and yes, they even ought to control the questions. You see, it's absurd that a debate anchor will pontificate for three minutes presenting some convoluted question with more twists and turns than a roller coaster, and then say to the candidate, you know, that person who actually could be president and who had the nerve to risk all to try, to turn to that candidate and say, okay, I've spent three minutes asking six different questions. You have 30 seconds to answer. And if you take more time than that, I'll humiliate you with a buzzer like yours. And then you feel like you're a contestant in some game show. It's insulting and demeaning. And if the pretty people from TV want to run for president, let them run. But don't let them divvy out the times for candidates to speak as if they're treats for the dogs. Now, the Democrats were wise to draw names for which night they're going to be on. But I would also suggest make stage position and the order of questions equally random. Give every candidate exactly the same amount of time during the debate. So if each candidate is allocated eight minutes for the evening, then as soon as the candidate begins to speak, start the timer. And if he or she takes 45 seconds, that candidate has seven minutes and 15 seconds for future questions. Now, if the candidate wants to spend all eight of his or her minutes on the first question, then that candidate is done. At that point, you can just leave the stage and go get a sandwich. Because here's the way it would work. Once you've used your time, you're done for the night. And that way, everyone gets the full eight minutes, but no one gets more. And that way, the TV host don't decide who gets to be heard 
and who doesn't. And instead of national network personalities, let local reporters from around the country ask the questions. My experience is their questions are immensely more insightful and revealing and more substantive. And by the way, if the parties won't take control, then the candidates should. They can gather all their campaign managers in a private meeting, and they can all agree that they will take back control. And if the networks won't budge, ditch them. Stage the debates. And if a network wants to cover it, I promise they will. And if they refuse to stop this circus and actually would make it a true fact-finding forum, then congratulations. If not, it's their loss. But the current system is disgusting, insulting, and useless. And the voters in both parties deserve better, and you should demand better. Well, after two and a half incredible years in the White House administration and almost another year and a half of the campaign, my daughter announced that she's going to be stepping down at the end of June. As expected, the president was gracious and the press was vicious. But in the end, she was professional and respectful to all. So earlier this week, this proud papa had the chance to talk with Sarah Huckabee Sanders about her experiences on the road that lies ahead. Here is that exclusive interview that nobody else has. So, Sarah, let's get right to the heart of why did you leave? Look, it's uh, been one of the most incredible experiences I could have ever imagined. Uh, I've, in fact, far more than I could have imagined. It's been truly the honor of a lifetime and something that I will cherish forever. I've loved my time at the White House, uh, but I also love my time with my family. And I am, uh, I've worked for the president for three and a half years, and I have watched uh, and had a front row seat to some of the most historic moments of his administration. And it has truly been incredible. But uh, I felt like it was the hardest professional decision I would make, but probably the best personal decision I could make. So uh, some of those early reports that said that this was uh, sort of being nudged out of the nest, I think that was overcome pretty quickly because the president has now brought you up to the podium, not once, but twice. Once at the White House, <laughs> once at the big Orlando rally this past week. Uh, I'm very grateful and uh, very appreciative for the relationship that I have with the president. It continues to be a strong one. And as I said earlier this week, and will continue to say, uh, I'm very proud of the work that he's done. I'm very proud to have worked for him and for his administration. And I'll continue to be one of the most vocal uh, advocates for the president, even though I won't be in the administration, you can still expect that I'll continue to push for the president, support the president, and speak out in support of him uh, as much and as often as I can. I think there is a perception that you are always at war with the White House press corps. Tell me about, <laughs> tell me about the, the actual relationship that people don't see there's always going to be tension between the White House and the press. Uh, it's not new to this administration. I do think that there is a lot more of it uh, in this administration. There is um, a lot of negative, far more negative press coverage than we've ever seen before towards this president than we've seen in previous administrations. And so that can certainly make it difficult. But like you said, there are also a number of true professionals when it comes to uh, members of the White House press corps. And we have a good working relationship. They show up every day wanting to do the best they can at their job. And we show up every day trying to do the best that we can at our job. I won't name names, but there are certainly a large number of individuals that I've worked with in the White House press corps that I will miss getting to work with every day, even some of the ones that were a little more challenging than others. I'll miss that uh, back and forth and certainly uh, miss the, the opportunity and the role I got to play in part of the process of getting information out to the American people. Well, I was going to ask you, were there any names you wanted to mention that you won't miss <laughs> working with or seeing every day? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that out for now. I don't think that uh, that would be helpful to me or to them to uh, call them out. It may actually make them more popular for me to list their names. So I think I'll uh, refrain from getting into any specifics for now. One of the things people may not know is how often you've had to travel with the president overseas. Describe what it feels like to be a kid from Arkansas who's having dinner with the queen and sitting by Prince Charles at lunch, for heaven's sakes. 
<laughs> uh, it's it's uh, definitely one of the most surreal experiences that you can imagine. And to be part of the United States delegation for the UK state dinner uh, just a few weeks ago was truly something uh, I'll never forget. It's been one of, I think, the most important parts of his presidency is the relationships that he's developed with other world leaders and his ability to work with them to negotiate better deals for the United States and getting to watch all of that play out has uh, certainly been one of the things that I will take with me from this job and certainly remember forever. Be honest with us. You sat next to Prince Charles, had the lunch with him. Did you know which fork you needed to use at every stage of the meal? <laughs> just, just asking. Uh, <laughs> one of uh, the best tips that I got ahead of the uh, all of the events on that trip was when in doubt, follow the royal family. And so if there was any a moment <laughs> that we didn't know exactly what we were supposed to do, uh, they were true professionals in the process and helped make sure that none of us uh, did anything embarrassing. So we followed their lead and uh, it worked out pretty well. Now, the president has kind of intimated that he knows what your future is. And I found it interesting because <laughs> I don't know. So maybe you could tell us, you know, he's been saying he wants you to go back to Arkansas and run for governor. Is, is that what's in the future for Sarah? <laughs> I, you know, we'll see what happens over the course of uh, the next couple of years. I, I learned a long time ago, never try you to have... chart a course uh, too far in advance because uh, God is in ultimate control and he'll make uh, any path you think you've determined, it usually turns out pretty differently. I never thought that I would be sitting here um, after two and a half years working in the White House and serving as the White House press secretary. And so, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but we're excited to spend some time together as a family and see what's next. Before we go, I want you to tell us about someone I think is incredibly special, and that's your remarkable husband, Brian, who not only encouraged you to take what he knew was gonna be an all-consuming job, but who has been with you and by your side and encouraging you throughout the process. A lot of women wouldn't have a husband who would be that supportive. Tell me about the important role that Brian, your husband, has played in your surviving these past three years. <laughs> uh, he's played the leading role. There is uh, no doubt and no question. Um, there's no way that uh, this would have been even remotely possible if he had not been there, not just supporting me, but supporting our entire family. On the hard days, he was there to pick us all up. And on the exciting days, he was there to lead the charge and celebrating those moments. And um, I'm beyond thankful, not just to have had him in this process, but to have him as uh, my partner in everything that I do. He is uh, such a different personality than me too, which is a great balance for our family and for our life. And I'm so thankful to have him with me on this journey. And I think we have a, a lot more fun left to have. Well, I'm sure that's the case. Can I just say that, um, you know, it's not something I say in every interview, but I'm really, really proud of you. Proud to be your dad. Uh, <laughs> grateful for the terrific job that I think you've done. But I say that with all objectivity, as you can imagine. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what your future is because you haven't told me, but I'm anxious to hear about it when you uh, break down and let me know. But. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. It's a, it's a joy to visit with you. And I hope maybe in all of this, you'll have a little more time for your dad too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm glad to know you don't end every interview that way. I would not feel nearly as special if you did. But uh, as you know, I couldn't be more blessed not only to have a wonderful husband, but two amazing parents who have loved me and supported me uh, no matter what was going on in the world. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Can't think of any better way for you to conclude. Sarah, <laughs> thank you very much. And for that last answer, she stays in the family will. How about that? <laughs> By the way, you can follow Sarah on social media at PressSec, but you better hurry because June 30th is coming soon. By the way, speaking of social media, if you want to watch any or all of our show again, and why wouldn't you, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Huckabee.tv. That's where you're going to find archives of all of our show segments, including some amazing musical guests. And at Huckabee.tv, you can get information about getting 
free tickets. Did I say free? I did. Free tickets to be right here in our studio audience at our Nashville Theater, located in Hendersonville, just outside of Music City. Well, Keith Bilbrey, our erstwhile announcer, is standing by to announce that he is not leaving his job because he's got to tell us what's coming up on this great show tonight. Keith? Well, coming up, pro-life innovator Joe Baker and viral video star Ami Horowitz has big news later on. The ladies of Better Together, comedian Chris Wyland and country music's Aaron Lewis are all on Huckabee. Welcome back to the show. With so much anger and misunderstanding directed at women considering an abortion, it's important that they have a safe place where they feel loved and cared for. Many times these women are the victims of pressure from a boyfriend, a husband, mother, grandmother, or even friends. Save the Storks is an amazing organization that promotes life. And also, it seeks to meet pregnant women where they are. If I met someone on the street and I was going to tell them what Save the Storks is all about, I would let them know that we are revolutionizing the pro-life movement using love, compassion, and action. Save the Storks accomplishes that by developing a relationship with these clients through our affiliates, helping them to make their centers be centers of excellence with the training that we provide and the skill sets that we teach, and also helping them to raise the funds to build their mobile medical units, which are our stork buses. So our Stork buses are equipped with state-of-the-art equipment, offering women options through free ultrasound, free pregnancy testing, and even some of our Stork buses offer STI testing as well. They're not just coming onto the bus and deciding to save their children. Our affiliates are literally holding their hand throughout their pregnancies and even afterwards. That's where we're different. They see the ultrasound, they see the heartbeat, and seeing that life within them, they choose life. Last year, we had a 96% uh, life decision in our center. I feel like I fulfilled a purpose when a woman chooses life for her child. Five or 10 minutes ago, she was coming in doom and gloom, and now she has hope. Picket signs and yelling and calling people names is not gonna win people over even the abortion workers. Jesus died for them too. Um, so showing love and compassion and action, not only for the women and the men, but also the workers. When you equip a woman or a man and let them know whose they are, uh, they are able to stand strong and be able to walk for whatever God had planned for them all along. Please welcome tonight's Hux Hero and the founder and CEO of Save the Storks, whose organization is revolutionizing the pro-life movement, Joe Baker. Joe, welcome. Happy to have you here. Thank you. Let's get to the name, because I think it's pretty unique. Where does the name come from, Save the Storks? Well, you know, when we were trying to come up with a name, we were trying to, trying to figure out what would be the most disarming. And everybody who isn't pro-life always seems to love a good environmental cause. Have you noticed that? And so we decided <laughs> to go with Save the Storks. And what we did was... I printed up these shirts. The front said, Save the Storks. The back said, 55 million storks shot down since 1973. <laughs> of course, referring to Roe versus Wade. And uh, I was on my way into the Apple store to test out this genius idea wearing my shirt. And this woman literally grabs me by the shoulder and she spins me around. She says, I've heard of the spotted owl and the whale, but who is killing the storks? <laughs> and, uh... Tell me how the pro-life movement is changing. So whenever you come to an injustice, you come to a fork in the road, you either choose anger, or you choose grief and brokenness. And the new movement is really turning to this brokenness. And what happens, mm. the miracle is when you turn to brokenness, God will often give you a vision of how to minister to people mm. and how to really make a difference. And that's what our whole organization at home is coming out of. And these women are actually cornered by abortion. In fact, 64% of women say they feel pressured into that decision. And so all that we do is provide the alternative competitive services by carrying the magic of a sonogram right to the door of an abortion clinic. And that's why we're seeing so many women 
make a decision for life right there when they see that heartbeat and they begin to bond with that baby for the first time. You know, Joe, it seems like that uh, the sonogram has been the greatest gift that God has handed to us as a human race to help people realize that's a baby. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to see to, through tears seeing a woman make a decision for life. And, and you know, in Albuquerque, just recently, we had a, a woman, uh, or actually the, the boyfriend boarded the bus because she went inside and, uh, and he, was, he came out to smoke and he ended up just talking to the counselors and he starts texting her. She comes aboard and she had already had a blood test and she, she, she was like already very committed. And uh, when they saw the sonogram, he's the one who said, you know what, honey, I think I'm gonna pick up that second job. And mm. uh, sort of takes some, some responsibility. And, and, and wow. yeah, and what's, That's what's, a beautiful What's so cool beautiful about story. this fella is he <laughs> broke the wristband, the, the little band off her wrist, uh. and said, we're gonna have a baby. And so that, it, the, I, I get to do some very rewarding work, Mike. Joe, there's a, a difference between when you take the van out as opposed to women who may have to go into a brick and mortar location. And I'm grateful for all of the crisis pregnancy centers yeah. that have brick and mortar and a sonogram there. Why is the mobile unit effective at times when maybe a potential mother wouldn't go inside that building? Yeah, so most women nowadays uh, are making the decision to abort in just a few hours of discovering they're pregnant. Mm. And so they're going on their phones, they're finding that location, and they're headed there. And so we need to be experts at marketing. And the mobile unit is a way to intercept and reach that woman right at the moment of decision. And, and in fact, we work with pregnancy centers. So it's all pregnancy resource centers that are offering the counseling classes and discipleship to these women and all that follow-up right that, oh, that starts the relationship right there. And women are making decisions for life every day all over America. Well, you're doing a great job partnering with these wonderful crisis pregnancy centers across America who are saving human lives. Joe, thank you very, very much. Delighted to have you here. Now, if you want to support Save the Storks and save a few storks yourself, or if you're contemplating abortion and you need help, go to savethestorks.com. And you can follow Save the Storks on social media. You can do that as well. Hey, Keith, uh, we've talked about the storks, but who else might be dropping in on us tonight? Well, next, funny news stories on In Case You Missed It. Ami Horowitz has exciting 2020 news. Plus, the stars of Better Together, comedian Chris Wyman, and country music's Aaron Lewis, here on Huckabee. Welcome back, and let's hear it for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection over there. You bet. We love them. By the way, if you don't get already get my free twice daily newsletter with the latest in news analysis, hey, it's time to fix that. Go to mikehuckabee.com, check it out. You can also go there and become my Facebook friend. Look, I need friends, I really do. And you can follow me on Twitter, which is at GovMikeHuckabee. But look, do not follow me on Twitter if you're a snowflake who easily melts and who is easily triggered. Just a warning. All right, from a drunk driver piloting a kitty car down the highway to the barbecue chief of the United States, we've got the stories that'll make you laugh on a segment we call In Case You Missed It. Well, as the classic song goes, take me out to the ball game, take me out with the crowd, buy me some peanuts and mayonnaise. I'll eat a big jar while the other fans gaze. Well, not exactly, but come on, we've all eaten our share of hot dogs and Cracker Jacks at the ball game. But this fan at a recent Memphis Redbirds game was downing enough mayonnaise to cover a year's worth of school lunches. Now, when this guy says, hold the mayo, he means hold the jar in his lap and eat the whole thing. And by the way, folks, the Vegas Aviators and the tub of mayonnaise both won in Memphis. Can you imagine eating an entire tub of mayonnaise? All right, let's move on. Dateline, Walhalla, South Carolina. A woman was arrested on charges of driving under the influence while motoring down a South Carolina road. But this story has a twist. 25-year-old Megan Danielle Holman was riding atop a kid's Power Wheels truck 
when Walhalla officers pulled her over <laughs> on the road near her home, they did confirm that she was high on a narcotic or drug. However, she was within speed limits, traveling at three miles an hour. <laughs> Police said Ms. Holman was arrested and charged with public intoxication. You know, that woman probably needs to know that drinking too many margaritas is liable to kill Yeah. Well, Trey, with you and your buddy Keith, Mr. Sink All the Mayo, we are definitely not blowing our Espanol very well tonight. But I do hope that Mrs. Holman will remember the old saying that people who insist on drinking and driving are putting the court before the hearse. Reynolds Wrap has put out the word that they were looking for a new CGO, that's Chief Grilling Officer. The lucky hire is going to travel the country for two weeks in August, eating barbecue at all the top rib joints, or as Keith calls that, a typical vacation. The job pays $10,000 plus expenses, but you'll also have to share photos and grilling tips on the company's website. Needless to say, the stakes are pretty high in this contest. Applicants had to submit a photo of them grilling, then a 100-word essay on why they were qualified for the job. But like a badly burned rib, I'm really burned up that the deadline is already passed. And like 007, reason it hurts me is because I'm licensed to grill. <laughs> well, Reynolds did succeed with someone with CGO experience who doesn't mind traveling and being on camera and who can eat all the barbecue he wants all day. I just wonder why they didn't call me directly. I mean, I even understand the true meaning of gardening. That's cultivating a piece of land like your backyard so that you can grill on it. And by the way, when I grill, I got nothing to hide. So the sauce is always on the side. Yes, it is. Now, here's some shout-outs before we go. A shout-out to 94-year-old William C. Wagner. He missed his high school graduation because he had to go off to serve in World War II. Last week, he walked across the stage of Titan High School with a class of 2019 and he finally received his diploma. 76 years, yep. It took me that long to get my diploma, Mr. Wagner said. We congratulate you on your achievement and we thank you for your service. Here's another shout out to Planned Parenthood's landlord in Fayetteville, Arkansas, my home state. He's chosen not to renew their lease in his building. And now the owner also allows a mobile ultrasound truck in the parking lot, just like the one you've seen with Joe Baker, for the pro-life medical team members to provide health assistance for expectant mothers. I say, well done, sir. Well, just like Congressman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaking at an American History Conference, we've definitely run out of time. But never forget, we read the news. Now, you know my next guest from his documentary film work are his great Ami on the Streets videos on Fox News. Well, he's with us tonight to share, well, some pretty important political news from Chicago. Please welcome back to our show, my friend, Mr. Ami Horowitz. Ami, welcome back. And I think let's just get right to it. You've got a fairly big announcement that you're making. Governor, I'm running for president, if you can believe that. <laughs> I am running for the Democratic nomination for President of the United States. The Democratic nomination. Now, let's get into why did you choose to run as a Democrat? Now, clearly, I, I know I know your audience is thinking, well, Ami Horowitz, maybe not the perfect fit with the Democratic Party. But the reason why I'm doing it, Governor, is because I feel the Democrats have moved so radically to the left. Bill Clinton would never be able to win the nomination of this party. I'm not even sure Barack Obama could win the nomination. That's how far left it's become. It's become the party of late-term abortion, the, uh, the party of open borders, the party of socialism. And I felt that that is so damaging, not only to the United States, which it obviously is, but I think it's, it's damaging to the Democratic Party itself. I feel like most of the Democratic electorate is not where their leadership is. So I felt like I want to get on the stage. I want to qualify to get on the Democratic debate stage and speak truth to power. You are seriously filing the paperwork uh, taking the steps and 
doing the things necessary to actually become a bona fide candidate for the Democratic nomination. I'm officially a Democratic candidate for president. We have the attorneys. We have the accountants. We have it all good to go. And no, I'm doing this because I really want to bring some sanity to the discussion. Now, the way they, they've set up these debates, we didn't qualify for the first debate, but we're trying to qualify for the second debate next month. And I need 65,000 individual donors. And by the way, we're already ahead of a number of the Democratic candidates running. We have, we're almost halfway there to the 65,000, so we have 30 days to hit that number to qualify, and that's why I'm here to ask even one dollar, a single dollar, to amiforamerica.net will get me on that debate stage, and that's why I'm here. So let's just say you get on the stage. Um, will the other candidates and will the moderators take you seriously? Look, it's, it, obviously that, that's a worry, but the truth is these are people who are running away from normative political values that we have in this country. And even the so-called moderates on the stage, governor, these are not moderates. Pete Buttigieg, who's the flavor of the month of the Democratic Party, this is a guy who not only full in a full throat supports uh, later abortion. This is a guy who has called for taking off Thomas Jefferson's name off institutions and off of buildings because he was a slave owner. When, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez just the other day compared our southern border to Hitlerian death camps, not a single Democratic nominee called her out for that. Hmm. I want to make sure that I call her out and call them out for not holding her account to what she believes. Well, Ami, we are honored that uh, you were willing to share the announcement on our show. We're going to be following the campaign. Now, to find out all the details on Ami Horowitz and his illustrious political efforts, you can go to AmiForAmerica.com or on Facebook at AmiForAmerica. You can always follow him on Twitter at Ami Horowitz. Keith Bilbrey standing by. I don't think he's going to make an announcement that he's running for president, but he does have some announcements over there for our viewers tonight about our show. Well, coming up, Mike talks with the cast of Better Together. Then get ready to laugh with Chris Weinland right here on Huckabee. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I had the chance to sit down with Lori Crouch and the talented team from TBN's brand new women's show called Better Together. Now, you can find that weekdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on TBN or by visiting bettertogether.tv. Now, while I was truly, and I mean this genuinely, a thorn among the roses, I got to tell you, those ladies were incredibly gracious. Here's some highlights from our time together on this new hit show right here on TBN. Better Together is all about real women who really love Jesus. And we want to share that same love with you. So tune in weekdays to catch us talking about everything from finding your purpose to friendship. Trust me, you don't want to miss this. Tune in weekdays for Better Together. Clearly, I don't belong in this group. <laughs> I mean, the one obvious thing is, what am I doing here? But this is going to be so much fun just chatting with all of you, and uh, I'm going to get to listen in on women's conversation. Oh. <laughs> Are you ready? Going to be interesting. You're a lucky man. But I promise I won't tell a soul what you say. Yeah. Lori, let me start with you, because the, the vision of this show, Better Together, Great idea, bringing Christian women together to talk about the things that are important to women everywhere. Yeah. So what do you hope happens? Well, I hope that um, we bring hope. I hope we mm -hmm. bring um, encouragement and edification. And, you know, there's, there's other women's shows where they're just trashing people and all that. And we just want to bring, um, we want to bring the love. You know, we wake up to Hope and Grace on TBN every day. And my mother-in-law looked at me. One of the last things she said to me was, it's time for you to bring the love for women. Mm. And I knew I couldn't do that by myself. And I said, I've got to get my friends together and because uh, we're better together. <laughs> and yeah. that's, how, that's how it started. Well, it's a beautiful concept. Cece, when guys watch women talk in their huddles, <laughs> quite frankly, <laughs> we're always wondering, what are they saying? Are they talking about us? <laughs> what is it that you guys talk about that you don't think men would want to talk about? 
Oh, we talk about everything. <laughs> you know, we talk about makeup. We we laugh about things that you guys might not think is funny. <laughs> you know, and, and I think it's always been that we're different that way. Mm. You know, and so we we we're gonna let's go to the bathroom together. Let's. Yeah, let's tell see. me what is that about? <laughs> Do you know how awkward we're not it would going be in the same stall, said, but we're going to the well, bathroom. We got to talk about if... everything. <laughs> it might be a problem there. Be a weird deal. <laughs> so, what is that about? Yes, it's just it's just friendship. You know, it's sisterhood. It's yeah. something that we need to survive. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a part of our. Yeah. Our DNA is who we are. We love to talk. We love to laugh. If we don't, we'll yeah. go crazy, probably. Uh -huh. You know. <laughs> and we learn from we, from yeah. one another. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's the companionship. And the guys are wondering, what are yeah. they talking about? And wouldn't it be great to capture what's being said? Because I mm -hmm. think so much gold is exchanged Absolutely. in conversation. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't it be great to get in some of these conversations to actually hear? It's not scripted. It's not fake. Right. But it's real life, and right. it's our heart. But we're bringing a biblical perspective, not just our opinion. And we all come from different ages, stages of life, but you see this, this agreement that is not, it's not, it's unity, not uniformity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love, love that. It has been mm -hmm. such a great experience. What's the difference between unity? Well, we can agree to, to disagree. There's some things where Alex and I, I would give Alex both of my kidneys if she needed them. <laughs> but there would, be some, there would be some places where she would look from a different, a different perspective than I would, and I'd go, oh, well, I see it from this perspective. Mm -hmm. and then we go, oh, that's so cool yeah. Yeah. that you bring yeah. those two Benefit. sides together. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there is absolute unity and the yeah. way we're running toward Jesus hard together and toward life and loving one another well. Also, yep. though, it's so powerful to be known by friends that you're doing life with that don't care what you're doing on the Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That you go over to their house with no makeup and yeah. your sweats on right. and you just yeah. do life yeah. together. <laughs> and that you allow them yeah. into the inner parts of your heart to be able to speak truth, even if it hurts. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. To have, that is so important in my life. We can't. That's walk right. this walk without right. one another. That's right. So Natalie, when you have this conversation, are you going to be able to be as candid in this group with me here <laughs> as you would be if I weren't here? Well, part of me already feels like this is just family because I grew up with one brother ah. and a whole bunch of women. <laughs> so I was like, I, I tell right. people though that I feel like I didn't actually meet my brother till he was like 20 years old because he hid. Because uh -huh. there's just so much conversation happening. That's funny. I think that this show helps to cultivate healthy conversation right, yeah. right. about our identity in Christ, which everybody struggles with, but especially women. Right. You have this idea in culture that you always have to put your best foot forward, mm. that you have to put on this yeah. facade, that your family mm. is perfect, your life is perfect, everything right. is wonderful. And that's just so not true. Carrie, is it harder to be open as a celebrity, somebody that people see as a public figure? <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Do you feel so vulnerable if mm. you open up because people see you as this person on the stage. I don't think I know how to not be vulnerable and transparent and raw because I've just lived my life that way. Like at church the other night, uh, the Spirit of God was so strong in the room and I just started crying and couldn't sing. Well, Carrie, I want you to know <clears throat> when I have sung, everybody cries. <laughs> But for a totally different reason. It's really the end of the service That's when that happens. Yeah. Well, we have been visiting with the ladies of Better Together. It's on weekdays, 1.30 Eastern, 10.30 Pacific on TBN. And I think after our conversation today, you probably are saying, this is a show I want to watch. I want to say thanks to all of you. Oh, what a you, delight Governor. to be with you. Thank this you. has been a real, true pleasure. Thank, Thank you for joining us. Up next, comedian Chris Wineland stand up. Then country music's Aaron Lewis performs on Huckabee. Welcome back. Happy to have you with us. 
My next guest went from writing from Jimmy Fallon to being one of the most in-demand Christian comedians in all of America. His Facebook Live series called The Monologue Show is late night comedy the way it used to be. Really funny and no politics. I want you to welcome our friend Chris Wineland. Thank you. Wow. I had a unique childhood growing up. You know, it was, it was so weird. A lot of weird things happened to me when I was a kid. Like, when I was younger, about the ages of eight or nine, my mother was very protective of me. I thought it was because she loved me. Turns out uh, we just didn't have medical. <laughs> and then I woke up on my 18th birthday to my grandfather standing over me. And he had a quarter in his hand. And he goes, wake up, kid. Today, you're 18. Today, you're a man. You're going to take this quarter, walk into the real world, buy yourself a newspaper, and find a job. <laughs> I said, well, that's great, Grandpa, but uh, newspapers cost more than a quarter. And he goes, welcome to the real world. I grew up knowing I was poor, you know? Like, I was so poor that I actually loved when I lost teeth, because that meant I could get a couple bucks from the tooth fairy. <laughs> Remember the tooth fairy? That was amazing. You lose a tooth, put it under the pillow, and the next morning money would be there, right? So I decided when I get older and I live in a nursing home, I'm gonna put money under my pillow and hope teeth pop out. <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually a little, like, afraid of living in a nursing home when I get older, because I'm afraid of who I'm gonna be living with. Have you guys seen my generation lately? Pray for me. They're all gonna look 95, but identify as 25. And there's gonna be gangs in nursing homes, of course there are. But the gangs will be called the Cripsitis and the Blood Clots. That's why I gotta stay healthy. I actually lost 50 pounds, thank you. Lost 50 pounds. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad you guys applaud that. I'm from the Midwest. We do not applaud weight loss in the Midwest. I wanted to surprise my mom, so I didn't even let her see any pictures. I flew to her house 50 pounds lighter, and this was her reaction. She just goes, oh, oh. who hurt you? I blame it on the West Coast, though, because I live on the West now, and everybody's very, uh, you know, just diet-focused on, on the West side of the country. But I noticed how health-conscious the West was when I went to a movie theater in Phoenix, Arizona, because I watched somebody order a small popcorn. I didn't even know small was a size. And I'm from Ohio, okay? In Ohio, the movie theater isn't even about the movies. It's about the food. And we love it. We have hoses of butter we spray on the kids before the movie starts. Everybody's slippery, but we're happy. We love it. And sure, in Ohio, we do have a movie popcorn size small, but it ends in the word bucket. We have small bucket, large bucket. Where's my accountability partner bucket? And then we have a family bucket, which is really just a big wheelbarrow of popcorn in your own butter house. And that is not enough. I don't know if anybody's parent ever did this growing up, but my mom would always go, oh, we're going to the movies? I'll get my big purse. <laughs> like the moment the movie started, it was a scene for Mary Poppins. She's just pulling everything out of that thing. Oh, we got Snickers, Snickerdoodles, Kit Kats, M&M's, Gobstoppers. Oh, who ordered the Chinese food? I was like, I did. I ordered it. And the best part of a movie theater is you could eat like a pig, because you're not the one cleaning it up. It's always a 14-year-old worker at the end of the night that's just like, who ate lo mein? Thank you, guys. I'm Chris Wineland. Lomaine at the movie theater. Lomaine at the movie theater. It's been good. If you haven't done it, you got to do it. Fantastic. Probably won't, just so you know. I probably <laughs> not go there. Let's talk. You had a, a great 
opportunity to write for Jimmy Fallon. I mean, that was pretty cool. I did, yes. Somebody wrote that on my resume. Okay, good. <laughs> Even though you really didn't do it, you know. No, but seriously, was yeah. it was was he a fun guy to work with? Was he funny off stage? Yeah. So you know, I I did a I was a monologue writer. So uh -huh. what that meant is I was still able to travel uh, and do stand up, which I was doing a lot. My first year, I did 200 shows. So I was doing a club, uh, a comedy club, and I opened up for a comedian who was a writer on staff. And he said, "Would I really like your material? Would you consider writing for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon as a monologue writer?" And I was like. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, and so I started writing. So I would travel and I would send my monologue jokes there. So you didn't have to physically be in the building every every day. No, no, I did go a couple yeah. times. Yeah. Um, I actually took my mom uh, there. Which, as a quick side note, I just got to say, you raised a great daughter, didn't he? Thank you. Just Thank amazing. You. <laughs> I think so, but yeah, you know, no I objectivity. Mean, you you raised somebody that works for, you know, worked for the White House. My parents raised me. I worked for 25 bucks telling a joke. That's what I do. <laughs> so already, fantastic. Please come back and be with us again, Chris. I love that. We loved having you here. And let me just tell you, if you love Chris Wineland, you can check out his bipartisan dating sketch. It is waiting for you at Huckabee.tv. We've put it on our website as a digital exclusive. It is hilarious. Don't watch it uh, unless you're prepared to laugh out loud. You can also see a lot more great comedy videos. Uh, you can get booking information about having Chris to your community or church, uh, your group, corporation. Uh, you can also check him out on Facebook. Follow his hilarious content on social media at Chris Wineland Comedy. Please do this. You will be glad you did because he is a funny, funny guy. Now, Keith Bilbrey, well, he's not as funny as Chris. <laughs> But he is good at telling what's coming up on the show. So, Keith, go ahead and at least do that for us. I'm going to be serious about this. Coming up, country music singer Aaron Lewis takes the stage. Huckabee's back in 60 seconds. For 20 years, my next guest has been a musical trailblazer across multiple genres, garnishing nine number one albums, selling over 25 million, yeah, that's right, 25 million records worldwide. Lately, his solo work in country music has been turning the Nashville music industry upside down with his very honest and soul-searching story songs that honor the sounds of Keith Whitley, Johnny Cash, and Waylon Jennings. Would you please make welcome Aaron Lewis. Aaron, happy to have you here. Pleasure to be here, sir. I know about your long career in the rock band Stained. Mm -hmm. And then something happened. Aaron Lewis said, I'm going country. So uh, I really, I went back to my roots is what I did. The stuff that I grew up on was, was Willie and Waylon and, and Johnny Cash and yeah. George Jones and Real David country. Allen Coe and yeah. Real well, country. And, and you know, Aaron, th those are great stylists and singers, songwriters, but they're storytellers as much as anything. Is Absolutely. That one, is that what's important to you, too? Um, I think a song for me needs to, it has to have some sort of substance to it. It has to have some heart in it. Mm. You gotta be able to feel, feel the music. Well, can I tell you, we're lucky to have you here. We're honored and thrilled. And uh, right now, as Aaron Lewis gets ready to sing, I'm going to have Keith tell the folks at home how they can get their hands on Aaron's music, because I've got my hands on it. And now Keith is going to tell you how you can, too. Well, you can get your copy of Aaron Lewis' new chart-topping album, The State I'm In, anywhere music is sold. And you can sample and learn more about Aaron's music at his website, AaronLewisMusic.com. Now here to sing If I Were the Devil is Aaron Lewis. If I were the devil, I'd find a way somehow. Make a man think he created God and not the other way around. And what you'd see on TV would seem like the gospel truth. I'd make right look so wrong and make wrong look so cool. Anything to keep you 
to heaven if I were the devil. If I were the devil, everyone would just see color. And I'd take all religions and I'd turn them against each other. I'd sit back and I'd love it and watch you fuel the hate. I'd light fires on the evening news that let you fan my flames. Anything to keep you out of heaven if I were the devil. What I'm doing sure is working out And if you don't believe me, I can prove it Hey, all you need to do is look around Yeah, I'd be thinking things just can't get better If I were the devil Hey. Okay. 